Okay, so today we've got something a bit different on our podcast. Um, you might have heard previously that we were discussing the story about Britain's first gay dads. I'll let Swan give you a quick summary about that. Yeah, so we were t- there's been a recent article um, where the dads have gone, I think it is to the son, or the, the dad, Barry, has gone to the son and discussed how he has fallen in love with his daughter's boyfriend, um, who they're now, to- they're now together. And we were discussing it on the podcast and the conversation was going around when you're the first to do something, especially when you're part of a minority, if they're going to be pioneers in the first UK, UK's first gay fathers, then they have a certain responsibility mm. um, for all the gay guy, for all the gay fathers coming after them. Because even though they shouldn't, we shouldn't judge all gay fathers by them. There are certain, you know, there are certain prejudices that mean that some people will. So they have a responsibility to conduct themselves in a certain way or stay out of the media. Yet we're constantly over the years getting story after story after story. Um, We looked into this story a little bit deeper and it was, we would just kind of notice there was a few holes in it. And I think when you advertised Uh the podcast, a few of his ex-employees actually got in touch with us. And um, yeah, the story has kind of turned into something we would never have expected, hasn't it? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, exactly like uh, Darren said, we had people come forward, uh, ex-employees that made like a number of accusations, which I'm sure you've read about on the site on on Cocktails and Cock Talk. Um, and today we're actually going to speak with one of those ex-employees and just find out a little bit more about the entire situation. Um, so this is us speaking with. Hi mate, you alright? Hi, you alright? Yeah, are you. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good. Um, thanks for speaking with us. Yeah, no problem. Um, this is my co-host, Darren. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, mate, you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. We probably both sound the same to you, don't we? Both being from yeah, the South. Yeah, they both sound really similar, yeah. So do you just want to, like, start at the beginning and just tell us, like, how the opportunity to work with Barry and Tony came about? Yeah, so... Um, Barry obviously grew up in Manchester, um, not Essex, um, and he was a friend of, of a relative. Um, when I split up with my ex-boyfriend, um, I had him on Facebook and he basically messaged me and asked me what I did for a living and I said that I, was, I work in marketing, stuff like that, and he said, oh, well, we've got a position for marketing in a cosmetic company, and I assumed he meant Essex, and I said, oh, okay, um, you know, not really looking to move to Essex sort of thing. And so, no, no, in Florida, which obviously completely changed the game. Um, it's Florida sort of thing. So I was asked to put together a few marketing plans uh, just to see if, you know, if, if I was what they were looking for, which I did. Um, was offered the job and within a week had sort of like flight details over there, um, where I'd be staying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so obviously did, I was a bit concerned a little bit, I thought, this is a bit easy, what's the crap with this? Um, mm. So I did actually put it to Barry. I said, look, like, I'm coming over to work, at, you know, as long as we both are pretty clear with that, which he reassured me and said, you know, he doesn't mix business with pleasure. I'm not his type, which was fine. Um, and, you know, it was it was a job. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, and it was, it was, it was just a job. And um, when, uh, just quickly, when was this? This was, I think it was August 2017. Okay. Yeah, it was August, yeah, August 2017. So is this or you went over in August or this was when the interview happened? It was it was a really quick thing. So it was probably sort of like mid July uh-huh. was the conversation and then I was there in August sort of thing. Okay. Um and then what 
just tell us like when you got there and you started working for them what what was yeah. it like you know in your own um, words about the working conditions and everything like that yeah so when i first got there i was picked up from the airport by scott which is barry's boyfriend um and was barry's boyfriend at the time which is, is that the, the scott, whole... the scott hutchinson yeah. we're seeing at the moment scott yeah. Hutchinson, yeah so th- this is the guy that's been in the news recently with Barry for being Saffron's ex-boyfriend which was just never I don't that's never been the case at all um but Barry was introduced to me as Scott's boyfriend and this was nearly you know two three years ago so I don't get this but um yeah so I was picked up the outfit by Scott and Saffron um it was really awkward Scott didn't speak um I was literally just sat in the back of this car and no one spoke to me. I mean, luckily I was in Florida, so I didn't really care. So mm. um, I was just taking everything else rather than focusing on that. Got back to the house, met everyone. And, and did, they, did they introduce him to you as, as Barry's boyfriend? Yeah, Yeah, that was yeah. the whole thing, the whole thing with Barry's boyfriend. Even I think even in like the messages and stuff, which I probably still got some in the messages, um, when Barry was telling me that, that Scott was going to be like heading up this project for this cosmetic company, mm. he, you know, I was interested. This was Scott was Barry's boyfriend. That was that was how it always has been. Can I just interject? Sorry, can you just remind us? Sorry, what year that was? Two thousand seventeen. Oh, so in okay, two thousand seventeen, yeah. they were saying that Scott was Barry's boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, so this is what I mean. All this news stories about Scott's, you know, been in a relationship with Saffron and they're trying to get a celebrity surrogate. Like, it's absolute bullshit. Like, they've never been in a relationship. Scott is as gay as the day is long. Like, mm. he's gay. Like, he wears makeup. He, he prances around with, on Barry's arm. He's gay. I don't get any of it. It's really confusing. Yeah, well, I've um, actually Barry's first instagram post is of him and scott and that was in 2013 <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did i mean i remember the tv they did a documentary called my extraordinary family or something like that this was years ago and i'm talking about i was a kid so it was then and scott was on this documentary then as barry's sort of errand boy um he's <laughs> always been that person i don't like and the thing is like the, the newspapers know all this but for some reason it's just more beneficial for them to print these crappy stories that just get the attention and the and the shares and that sort of stuff so it is what it is um so when you were working for them when did it start going wrong from the second barry walked down the stairs when the first walked in the house i was just really uneasy around him i just there was just something i just didn't i just didn't like i got really bad vibes even though he was being like polite and nice about barry yeah yeah yeah, it was just barry yeah it was coming across really fake um Tony, the one they called Dad, was um, came across pretty genuine. Mm. Um, he was quite quite a nice guy. Um, Scott didn't really speak. He didn't really have much of a personality or anything, so there was nothing to say there. The kids were all right. They didn't speak much. Um, but Barry was really over the top, in your face, and just very, very fake. Um, and it just got worse from then out, really. just got worse every day. So what kind of things were happening to, to make it get worse? Like, they used to get really, like, shitty with me if, like, I wanted to go out, you know, like, to see a friend or with hit the, the lad I was seeing or anything. They didn't like me leaving the house. It was like a cult. It was it was just the strangest situation ever. But I just made the best of it because, you know, I'm in Florida and, like, this is amazing and, you know, all these good things were happening. Um, but they used to threaten to lock me out if I wasn't back for a certain time. Like, I just had no freedom. I lived like I was part of this family and that wasn't part of the deal it was supposed to be a job a job opportunity and it, it just turned out to be like a cult I, I it was so strange um he's got like the worst temper like 
some of his staff that came flew in from England from Essex, and you know they were like business development people and, and these HR and stuff like that. And they basically said like, just be careful. You know, he's got a temper on him. And you know, and I asked a bit more about this. And they were telling me stories about he hates hearing noises and smelling food. So if you were to sit in the office eating crisps or eat, eating something that would smell, he's been known to throw staples at people. Um, like he, he's a, he's just psychotic with with his ways. And I, I was like, oh god. And then. Once we were told with this, I started seeing these little things um, more and more and more. He's, he's, you know, his aggression, the way he sort of kicks off and goes into like these bitch fits and slams doors and smashes glasses. And, and this is coming from, bear in mind, this is a working environment. I, I was like, we're in an office. And I was like, what is going It was just unreal. It was mm-hmm. the strangest thing. So um, did you ever see him throw, throw staplers or anything? Not staplers necessarily. Uh, he threw a chair. At Saffron, um, when we were we were filming a, it was like you, you know you know, the charity Stonewall. Yeah. Um, they, mm-hmm. they did a campaign in 2017, and it was the come out for LGBT thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they shipped across a few t-shirts for the family to wear because obviously they're the first you know gay dads and all yeah. that. Um, so I filmed it and I edited the video for them. And obviously Saffron's not a camera lover. You can tell from the, the interviews you've seen that she hates it. Like she's so uncomfortable on camera. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's awful. So she was really nervous and she kept laughing. And because she kept laughing, he just screams, says, you know, fuck it, we're not doing it. Uh, rah, 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 threatened to punch your face in, threw a chair across the, across the, like, the lobby, the, the hallway where the stairs are, and then slammed the door. And I had to stay late to film it again and to edit the whole documentary like uh, the whole the whole clip sorry okay um and so like in your in your whole time there what was sort of the worst thing that you witnessed from barry from barry um or what or what would you say was the worst sort of treatment that he gave you which um basically what had happened is he left his facebook logged in on the macbook and i've clicked on the Facebook, obviously, because it was my working MacBook, but he used it at the night time when I didn't know about it. And a message had popped up from a guy called Reese, who's their HR director, whatever, for all the companies. And he basically messaged him and told him to get one of the staff to message me about something, some issue. And then was basically saying, I can't wait to see a look on his face. I read the email, obviously told Barry about it. And then Barry had messaged Reese again and was like, ha, 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 he looks, uh, he's like a, a, like he's chewing a waffle, something like that. Uh, he was saying stuff about my family members, like really derogatory stuff um, about my mum, about my gran. Um, he was saying that just because I've got a bit of muscle now, um, he doesn't fool him. He can tell him that I was the fat kid in school. Um, just really horrible stuff, saying he wanted to knock me out. Um, and this is my boss, like... I'd, it's it's just unimaginable really um the worst thing i ever saw was probably when he when he did like threaten saffron and you know throw the chair and stuff it was pretty pretty bad really can you what what you when you say threaten saffron can you elaborate on that please yeah he said he was going to punch her that's he he said he said we're gonna have to stop because i'm going to punch you in a minute so you know when um when you were saying about you found the facebook and stuff and then you, yeah. saw, you saw the messages to the other guy where and he was yeah. trying trying to wind you up basically yeah um after that you it's like you're kind of suggesting that you saw more messages yeah yeah there was there was a lot of messages um how are you seeing them uh, through his facebook oh so he was still logged in 
yeah, and I just never logged it out after that. I just kept it on there because I felt for my own sort of yeah. peace of mind, I needed to know what was going on in his head because that was seemed to be the only way that I was finding any of the truth because at this point, he was still being pretty nice to my face. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I had to stay logged in. And there was plenty more messages slagging me off, um, basically saying that he was going to sack me, um, but he was going to, you know, he, he wasn't going to pay me. He was going to let me do this work first, then he was going to get rid of me. Um, messages from fake accounts that he's made himself, his own fake accounts. Mm. Um, yeah, so we had a fake account called Mercedes De Silva, and she was this sort of like glamorous sort of woman that he'd used to <laughs> comment on any any time he got negative comments on one of his fake stories on Facebook or whatever it was, he would then go and defend himself with this this um, profile. <laughs> Um, which was which was odd, um, and you know he he created a network of fake profiles as a way to sort of back himself up because no one else was. Um, so yeah, so these sort of messages were all on there. Um, so uh, what did you do after you found the after you saw them videos? Did you do anything after seeing that? Did you mention that to him or? Yeah, I mean, no, I didn't mention it. Bear in mind now, I'm in Florida. Um, He's booked my flights home, so he's my only way of getting home. My flight was booked, I think, was for, I think it was something like November or October. It was, I can't remember the date that he booked back. So, so how did this, how did this come about? Him booking your flight and you getting ready to leave and everything. So obviously, when you're in America, technically, um, I was working. I shouldn't have been working in America. Um, it was, a, it was like it was a visiting visa sort of thing. So you're on three month visa, um, but because I was being paid from a British bank account a British company, I was I was on a British payroll. There was a way around it, but I couldn't out I couldn't outstay the visa. So the flight was it was only ever gonna be like a three month term. It was never gonna be any more than that. Right. Um and then I would have returned to Essex, done three months in Essex and then come back again for three months in Florida. That was the that was the plan from the start. So the flight was booked uh, return because when you go to America, once you land there in customs, if you haven't got a return flight booked, they'll want to know why. So yeah. you have to have a, a flight booked. Right, so you was on a tourist visa and he'd already pre-booked the flight for you? Yeah, yeah, so everything was got already pre-booked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I had access, obviously, to the check-in because I had to check myself in and stuff. Um, so I had all that access. Um, so I was a bit... I couldn't really confront him because, A, I logged into the guy's Facebook and I don't want, you know... I, he wasn't supposed to know that, so obviously that's how I've seen it. Big, if you know, big confronting, it would have been a big, massive bus stop, and then I'm stuck in Florida with nowhere to live and nowhere getting home and no money. So, you know, there's you have to sort of be quite strategic with stuff like that. So, yeah. Thanks. Um, so we've spoke about him quite a lot, lot in work and stuff. And you say you were living with him. How was obviously we've heard you've said about him throwing the chair and stuff like that. But yeah. did you get much more insight into kind of yeah. the family, how they're living, what the kind of the feelings and the dynamics are around that? Yeah, so as I said before, it, it was a cult. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so basically what happens is this this was their day every single day. They would wake up, they'd go into the office at 8 o'clock in the morning, um, finish work at 6, and then Saffron, Aspen and Scott would go out and fetch food from wherever. They'd bring it back, they'd eat with Barry. Sorry, I've got a bit of a cold, I'm feeling nasally. Uh-huh. Um, they'd eat with Barry, and then Scott, uh, Barry would go into the living room on his laptop, Saffron would go into her bedroom on her phone, and then Scott and Aspen would go into Aspen's sort of like guest house thing and play on the PlayStation all night. That that was every single day without fail. And they wanted me to sort of like go in with Scott and Aspen and play on the PlayStation, whereas, you know, I'm in Florida. No, I'm going out sort of thing. So, um, 
that and that was every night religiously unless they went out for food um but that would be the the routine and it would never change like scott and aston and saffron never ever left the house they've lived in florida for what over a year now and they're both so pale like they've got no no time do you know what i mean like they don't leave the house uh, the, the the other the three boys, the two youngest, they all just play on the PlayStation in the rooms. I didn't see much of them really, um, but yeah. So the dynamics, I mean, they they petrified. They're absolutely petrified, Barry. They're not scared of Tony. Tony's lovely to them. I, I don't doubt that for one second. Um, Barry, they're petrified of Barry, and you know they'd sit there and in the office when Barry wasn't there because off, Barry used to go into his bedroom a lot and just work from there. Um, they would sit there and you know they talk about they've been beat up what he's done when they've seen him beating like other random people up and they talk about it like it's a good thing and like it's funny and that it's normal and i was sat there and i was sort of like horrified like if my dad or my mum you know for everything barry said about my upbringing and my childhood i've never ever experienced one one fifth of what these kids telling me and bearing in mind they're like what six years younger than me Mm. so i'm just like it so, was just horrendous. It was horrendous. So obviously we've heard the recordings and stuff. Yeah. Um, where it's like a boy and a girl are speaking to each other. Yeah. And they mention each other's names, which are Saffron yeah. and Aspen, which are the same names as these kids. Yeah. Um, at what point did you decide that you were going to record a conversation with them? When I'd seen the Facebook messages about me, um, I knew it was coming to an end. Yeah. And... Because I know me as a person, you could pay me two hundred grand a year, and I could live in, you know, Balmoral. I don't care if you, if you treat me like shit. I ain't staying. It's simple as that. So I knew that when I got my flight back, I wouldn't be coming. I wouldn't be returning. I would literally be at the airport, tell him stick his job, and I'd be gone, and that'd be it. Um. So you know, I wanted to get paid, wanted to get home, and that that was it. I was done. That was when I decided that you know, when he was saying he wasn't going to pay me and stuff, uh, I thought, a morally i feel like i need to do something about this because they've still got two very young children they've got one 14 year old and two well they're probably eight now eight or nine now uh, at the time they were about seven i think um so i thought you know i'm going to record this and then make some decisions after but i thought i need a some leverage and be some some models really i thought i've got to do something about it it's not fair and I also thought, well, with this, at least I can make sure he guarantees he pays me and then I'll still get to the police anyway, but whatever. So that was when I decided to probe into, you know, the stuff that I'd picked up on over the months by just getting it in one full recording. So obviously Barry was out. Uh, it was just me, Aspen, Saffron, and the, the other guy that works for them, he was there as well, because you actually hear his voice on one of the recordings. Um, so yeah, so I basically just, probed into it because there wasn't really there was no conversation so it mm. didn't seem out of place by me saying you know oh Saf tell me about that time when such and such happened and then as you can see I asked that one question and I just opened a complete can of oh remember this as well Saf oh yeah Aspen do you remember that and do you know what I mean like it just they went with it I didn't you know I literally asked one question and, and yeah. that was pretty much it like you can hear my voice at the start of the recording uh, you hear me like laughing a little bit but that was because I didn't want to come across like like I was recording them I didn't want to be interviewing them mm-hmm. um, so yeah so that was that was when I got um, that was when I got the recordings yeah, I think there's like three three separate recordings um, mm. and all of them sort of outline a lot of a lot of abuse really um, 
and it's all from Barry. Um, you even hear in one of the recordings that she says dad, and they refer to Tony as dad, as, as never hit us. Yeah. It's dad, uh, which is Barry. Um, yeah, we were just going to ask uh, when you when you did the recordings. Yeah. Um, oh, when I did them. Yeah. yeah. What did you do with them afterwards? So afterwards, um, initially, to try and get a flight home and some money um, to be paid for what I want, what I've worked for, um, I basically threatened Barry with them and said, if you don't pay me what I'm owed, I'm going to go go public with this. To which he tried to um, say he was going to report me to the police for blackmail, which isn't true because I didn't want a penny extra than what I was owed. Um, so I had all that. He was just too too proud and was like, this isn't going to go anywhere. So I said, okay, then I'll just go to the papers with it. Now, this way, <laughs> this is how clever, sort of clever he is. Um, the very sort of like two days later, um, they released a video, which was like a child abuse awareness video. Uh-huh. So that he could say that them recordings were here and Aspen uh, or uh, rehearsing. <laughs> For this video about child abuse, they actually ran like a little donate such and such to this company video. Um, Do you know uh, they, where we could find that? On on Barry's Facebook somewhere, yeah, it'll be on there somewhere. Um, yeah, so they did that. But you've heard the recordings. It doesn't mm. take a genius to know that they're speaking from life experience. Yeah. Like I asked them, I, I used their real name. I said, Saffron, what happened that time when your dad did that?" So you wouldn't use your, your real name in a video, in, in a, a campaign ad. Um, she's not an actor, as you can tell. Um, neither of them are. It was it was a, a poor attempt at him, his way of backing himself up. Um, and so, but, with no. these recordings, did you not think to like give them to the police? I or? did. I did give them to the police. Um, I contacted. Obviously, it's difficult to contact our social services when they when they live in America. Mm. So I contacted something called I think it was a child welfare agency. Um, sent them across. I received an automatic response and nothing else. Um, I couldn't at the time. I couldn't ring an American number. Um, I was sending emails. Nothing was coming back. Right. I left it with them. How is how is the dynamics between Tony and Barry? You know, does does um, Barry get violent towards Tony at all or anything like that or? Um, Tony is very much um, he's very much submissive in the relationship to Barry. Well, not relationship, but dynamic of it all. He's very much what Barry's the head of the house. Um, that's, that is very clear straight away. Um, Tony sits in in his bedroom slash office, which is downstairs, um, and you don't really see much of him. Um, but I feel like Tony, although he's a nice person, he enables a lot of Barry's ways and has no problem going along with them and will defend Barry to the core, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what the situation is or or who it benefits or hurts. Barry will always come first. Um, and I feel like that's probably why t- Barry has got a boyfriend and Tony sort of, you know, has to deal with it. But Barry's told me on many cases him and Tony aren't together. They're married and they stay together for the kids, but they're not together. They're not, you know, it's a platonic relationship completely like these separate bedrooms, separate boyfriends for a start. Um, and how long has it been like that? To my knowledge, I'd say, I'd say about four or five years. It was definitely like that when I got there. Mm. Um, that was 2017. But as I say, on that documentary years and years ago, um, Scott was Scott was involved, and people I spoke to from Essex who know them have always known it to be that way. People who've worked for them have always known it to be that way. Mm. So it, it's not a new thing at all. 
And um, you mentioned to me before as well that uh, Tony also had like a, a lover living in the house, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I first got there, um, I went on Grinder, you know, being gay in 2019, whatever. So I went on Grinder <laughs> and the closest. No shame. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no slut shaming. Went on Grinder. I'm in Florida, checking to see what's about. Like, and the first person, the closest person on the little grid was Tony. And his name was Generous, um, which says it all to me. Um, so immediately blocked him straight away. I was like, I do not need that conversation. So I just blocked him straight away. Um, and then the next closest person was Scott, but it was actually Barry. So so it was never it was never on Scott's phone. It was on Barry's phone. And how Barry do you know was, that? Because Barry's literally sat there and showed me pictures when we've been out for dinner and stuff of lads that he's been talking to on Scott's profile. So he would use Scott's pictures to get lads over for threesomes. Um, and that's that's also quite a well-known thing as well when they were in Essex. Uh, he's, he's always pretty much done it. He's, he's obviously... Scott's not a bad-looking lad. Um, he's got... Not the more he's got personality of a door, but he's still not bad-looking. And he got them over there with with Barry's, with Scott's pictures. And I think this, it was sort of like... But by the way, you've got a, you've got a shag in as well. Um, so, yeah, um. so... It's it's always been the case, and then one day um, they said, "Oh, we've got um, a professional uh, video videographer starting Monday." I thought, "Oh, lovely!" So um, I thought this would be really good because I was doing marketing, so I can get someone to make videos for me. And obviously, I, I can make videos, but I thought, "Well, this guy's a professional videographer; they're going to be brilliant." So there's you know this young young lad come in um, from Atlanta called Tyrell. Um, and I think he'd been on TV a few times. Like he's done a bit of acting, a bit of modelling, something along those lines. Uh, and he turned up. He had no bags, and he was there for the weekend at first, which I thought was a bit weird. And he stayed over, and he stayed in Tony's room. So I quickly sort of realised, you know, we're in a big house here. You're staying in someone's room that's already occupied. Something's not. Something's going on. So um, on the Monday he was supposed to be going back, but then he decided that he was coming. That he was going back to get his stuff. But Tony turned around and said, no, you don't need to go back. We'll sort it out. The very next day, he had an iPhone, iPhone 7, which was the, like, the latest, one of the latest ones at the time. Um, suited and booted, Louis Vuitton belt, um, all this sort of stuff. And he was there. And um, he was there for a good few months after I left as well. But I think that came to an abrupt ending as well because he wrote this big social media post. And I asked him what it was about. And he just basically said... I don't really want to talk about it. So, yeah. Right. And just quickly, can we uh, go back? You said to me before about uh, Scott coming into the office and being like, oh, what can we sell to the papers? Yeah, yeah, a lot. All of, no, it was Barry that came into the sorry, office. Sorry, sorry, Barry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fine. So, so Barry a lot of men in the household at this point. Yeah, that was confusing. Common theme. Um, so, um, yeah, so he'd come in and he'd, you know, he'd, what can we say? Blah, 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 blah. And he would literally sit there with Scott and Saffron and fabricate these stories. Um, and then he was always sort of emailing Daily, Me- Daily Mirror. When the, when the hurricane happened, um, he was on, he was like emailing BBC News. Um, we actually ended up on Sky News because of him. Like, I looked awful on this fucking video. <laughs> and then he got stored on the porch. Um, in this hurricane <laughs> uh, with Barry sort of stood at the back like hi mum like proper loving his life because he was on tally and this was a common thing any little way of him getting on TV he would go for he is so desperate for it like he loves it 
so this is where all these nonsense stories are coming from. Like, he contradicts himself if you look at the stories. He said that Saffron and Scott are trying for a baby with a celebrity surrogate. Now, Saffron did a post the other day saying that she lied about being in a relationship with Scott and that she only ever dated to cover up the fact he was gay. So how do you... That's fine, you know, if you're helping your friend, you know, you're being someone's beard, whatever, I'm not going to judge that. But why are you saying that you were having a surrogate then? That just proves how desperate you are to be in the paper. And these stories never come from Saffron. Them posts never come from Saffron. I don't even think she has access to her own account. Like, this is in all Barry. Do you know, I actually read an article as well. I think it was in the Tampa Times or something by them. And they've actually made a statement to the Tampa Times saying they don't like the publicity and they never sell stories. Yet when we do this research, there's there's even newspaper articles about stopping Aspen's seven grand allowance and things. That's and what I, I like, mean. It's just too much... There's but this story. thing about the money and stuff, now you've touched on that, this thing about the money, if you haven't got seven grand between them, and that's not me being bitter, like, I'm not I'm not loaded, I rent a room, like, but I don't try and lie to stories, and lie, lie to people and say I'm loaded, but, like, this story, this, she's got a 400 grand Fabergé egg, she wouldn't, a uh, Fabergé ring, she wouldn't know what a Fabergé ring is, like, <laughs> they don't know what it is, and they've got obviously not skint, they rent a house but this is the thing, they rent a house they told me the house was paid for and it cost six million dollars when, when the hurricane happened, some random man knocked on the door with loads of sandbags, I was ever so confused I was like, who are you? He said, I'm the landlord I was like, oh, okay then <laughs> so but I never mentioned nothing, I don't care it really doesn't matter to yeah. me, I come from council estate and scope like, I'm not arsed, but it it was it's all fabricated and they did a documentary when well they did it for this morning when they were eighteen when eighteenth birthday they both got a black and white Range Rover no no these are the Range Rovers I was referring to months before these were Barry's and Tony's Range Rovers which are rented from a car company because Scott picks them up when they get into into Tampa like this is a sort of crap that people are buying into they're buying into this, like Kardashian esque sort of lifestyle and it's just not true it's 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 ridiculous yeah and if you look at the like even when he like you'll on his interviews you'll say you know people don't like us because we're millionaires shut up no one cares like you're not the first millionaire and you're certainly not the last like no one cares you know, it's, it's yeah boring. it's really boring you'd think you'd be more focused on the fact that you know he's lgbt movement you know we're, we're a modern day gay family rah, 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 rah. but he even says i'm one of his um he calls his children designer children because he made them himself. He's not having kids because he's a compassionate, loving person. He wants he wants fame and he wants all this crappy sort of attention. Accessories. Yeah, that just leads. Well, that's what he said. He said that he didn't want an ugly kid. He said he wants a kid with brown hair and blonde hair and blue, something like that. It was some stupid quote he said, and it was just it's just ridiculous. It's crazy. Sorry, I was just going to say, can we just go back to when? They when when they threw you out of the house. Yeah. So So what happened on the day they threw you out of the house? So it was Barry's birthday, I think. It was a birthday meal or some sort of engagement anyway. And everyone in the office was invited, including the guy that wasn't part of the family. And everyone apart from me, I wasn't invited, which is fine, I couldn't care less. Um but they he basically said to everyone, Right, you can all finish now. This was at like three PM to go and get ready for this, whatever they were doing. So I thought, naturally, you know, being the only one sat left in the office, I would be prompted that I could go anytime soon. No, Danny's staying till six. So, okay, whatever, you know, contracts is all six. If it's like that, it's like that. So when I first, well, I'll go back to when I first started. So when I first started for them, obviously they had this new brand called Barking My Cosmetics, and it was going to be like a, a range of sort of skincare products. Now, 
I turned around as a brand manager and said, look, I'm going to be really honest. Before we go into sort of designing products and paying for all these products, let's think about the name. I said, because Barking Bag Cosmetics sounds like dog shampoo. I said, <laughs> you're doing a line of skincare. Like, if you look at the big brands like Alamis, Olay, like, it just sounds tacky and cheap. Um, no, no, we love the name. Well, Barry loved the name. Barry made the name, which is sort of why it's tacky and cheap. He's so Barking Bag Cosmetics, it was. <laughs> Um, with this bog standard logo again, which was irrelevant to the name, it was just a marketer's worst nightmare. And I sat there and I thought, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be flogging a dead horse here. Like, what am I going to do? But I thought, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy the time I'm here and whatever. Um, and lo and behold, when the product launched, it didn't sell. Um, it was just not selling at all. He didn't want to pay any money. He gave me a five pound a day budget towards Facebook ads, <laughs> as you probably know yourself. <laughs> going to reach about going to reach about 30 people um so yeah this was the you know, five pound a day budgets now this comes from the multi 40 million pounds worth business owner but whatever so there was no no marketing budget um it all, all had to be done organically which usually you know i'll take on the channel and do but if you're gonna give me this product then i need i need a bit more um so yeah so i couldn't sell it and he, and he was sort of saying you know you're not doing your job you're not very good at your job i'm pretty good at my job like I'm sorry, but I'm really good at my job. If it wasn't, you wouldn't give me a job in the first place. Um, I said, I'm just struggling with this sort of budget, but there was no budget available um, because he'd spent 20, I think 25 grand on these products um, with Barking Mad written all over him. So, yeah, it was, it was a difficult sell. Um, so nothing was selling, and that was my fault. So I was made to stay late and basically market these products. And then he sent in a, a really abrupt email from his bedroom, which was the next room, to Scott and CC'd me in it saying that if I was you Scott I'd be seeing the writing on the wall um, uh, Danny's clearly not putting the effort in we need to reevaluate the marketing situation and I at this point had just reached breaking point bear in mind I've seen all the emails have been calling me fat and you know which bear in mind when I was a child that was like my biggest insecurity I was bullied for that and mm. all that now it was, it was fucking disgusting um and then I was being, you know, about my mum and about my nan and saying just vile stuff like saying that I was HIV positive, which for the record I'm not, but whatever, like that's relevant to him anyway. Um, so there was all this stuff that was going on. And by this point, I forgot to mention that I'd been moved out of the family house and put into some dingy guest house where Aspen sleeps, but downstairs where there was no air con, there was like mosquitoes, it stunk of damp because obviously Florida is really humid. Um, I was shipped out of that house into that dirty dingle for no apparent reason. Um, so they, they made me laugh, Hal, um, and I just lost it. And I just basically walked in and said, "Look, I'm not being funny, but you've got you've got no marketing budget. The name's shit. The product's shit. Shove your job, your ass, basically." That was the gist of it. And um, that was when it all went really broke. So I sort of went back to me guest house slash hole in the back garden. Um, and packed my stuff and I was like right I need to go I need to leave but then he said but obviously I didn't have a flight boot so I wasn't going anywhere my flight wasn't for another few weeks so I was I was pretty stuffed and he was like when I when I get back you better be out of my house so I'm gonna smash your face in so I said okay whatever so I tried to get back into the main house to get the rest of my stuff out of the office and the maids because yeah they had maids and the maids said that she'd been instructed not to let me in the house 
but I just went past her anyway and got my stuff. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think my fags were in there and I was dying for a six as I'm coming back in. So I got my stuff, went back to the, the guest house um, and I, I rang my friend and I was like, look, this has happened. Like, he's kicked me out. What the first thing? He said, oh, I'll come and get you. So Barry was messaging me saying that when he gets back, he was going to smash my face in. Blah, 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 blah. Him, Scott and Aspen were going to smash my face in, which is a laugh a minute, to be honest. And he came back, drove straight up the drive, went in the house, locked the door. Now, this is where it gets really messed up. So he basically, um, obviously I had them flights boots. So I accessed, I checked into the flight to see if I could change the date to bring it forward. Um, and it was with Virgin and he'd actually cancelled the flights. Um so that I couldn't get I couldn't get back. Mm. Um, yeah, he cancelled the flights and I asked if he could just pay me and I'll book my own flight, you know, pay me for the two weeks that I'd done or whatever, um, which he wouldn't do. He said, you can wait to every, for payday like everyone else. And after that, payday came and went. I was never paid. So I got back, contacted ACAS. They told me to contact him and, you know, sort of say, if you don't pay, then this is going to be the situation. He, he didn't pay. As you've said, I've sent you a few of the emails that he'd sent to me, um, you know, where he was telling me to crawl back under my HIV rock, um, whatever that and means. And this, um, this was just during the, like, the process of you trying to get paid? Yeah, this was me. I sent multiple emails trying to get paid, and I was just getting loads of, you're not having a fucking penny. Um, something about your drug addict mother, you were raised in pair, which I wasn't, there was no truth to that. Um all this sort of the bullshit that he was coming out with, um, it ended up me taking him to a tribunal. It was just one long battle. Um, but mo- most recently, this year, I went and visit a friend in Florida. And when I arrived into customs, I was pulled into customs for four and a half hours. Um, after I've had reports that I was uh, a prostitute and I would be working in Florida. Um, and it, they told me that it come from Princeton Consumer Research, which is Barry's company. So after four hours of them going through my phone, through all my messages, my WhatsApp, my photos, my videos, contacting the friend that I was visiting, you know, finding out my employment history since I left school, all this stuff, I was obviously allowed into America because I wasn't, in fact, there prostituting. <laughs> I was there, with, I was there visiting a friend. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's evil. He's evil. And if you look hard enough on Google, all the bullshit stories at the sun are printing you will find people that are saying the same you know there's a surrogate that said that they left they ruined a life and left her in debt and there's loads of different stuff and all these companies they're not actually allowed to be company directors but they are company directors they're stripped of it for because he was siphoning money out of one business to another they they just can't that's, that's all they are for example the biggest one they're a product testing company um I went into their basement in Florida where there was boxes upon boxes upon boxes of products that they haven't tested. They've just said, yeah, they work, and they've just got the money and not done the work for it. Now, these are people that, obviously, these products going out to the public, these deodorants that we're spraying on ourselves, these shampoos that we're using, these are supposed to be tested for A, to find out if they're, they're safe, and B, to find out if they work, and they're all false claims because no one even knows. <laughs> yeah, because I, um, I did see stuff in the papers about fake office in manchester um no it was about them uh basically not testing products which they which they should yeah. have been testing so years ago they had they had an office in manchester a clinic in manchester where the products were being shipped mm-hmm. after someone did research into this they found that the, this clinic was actually a terrorist house 
and the clinic didn't exist. And the, the, so Dove, Alamis, P&G were shipping products to this this address um, where it's probably some guy on his laptop and no, no products actually being tested. Um, so, yeah, so they lost a lot of business through that as well, which is why all of their companies are in Aspen's name, Colin, which is either the son or the brother, whatever he is this week, depends on what the papers want. Um, and Saffron's name, they've got... 10 different clinics over the years that they've had to change and close down and start again. They're just the cowboys. Any money they've got is illegitimate. Yeah, so I I had seen articles about that as well where they did basically said like in back in 2011, I think, which is perhaps... What what was the reason they had got stripped of their... Of... Um, to my knowledge, I mean, I've had someone else from the company told me it was through basically just fraud and stuff really um, but I read somewhere that they were siphoning money from a cosmetic company that they'd set up and off investors and siphoning into another they were just robbing people's money basically um, another one of Barry's sort of million dollar ideas clearly um, just like barking my cosmetics I mean if you look at the this morning interview that they did um, recently where my you know I get £5,000 a month pocket money no you work for about 800 quid um, and she she was like shamelessly trying to plug it, saying we sold uh, two hundred million pounds uh, in the first week. Well, I was there for the first two months and they didn't. So that's a load of bullshit. And it's all Barry's scripts. That poor girl, she is like a robot. He he, he feeds her what to say. And she has mm. to say it's it's so tragic. Really, it really is sad. I think we are gonna get getting towards the end of our time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you very much for speaking with us. Yeah, thanks, Danny. No problem. No problem at all. Wow. Wow, <laughs> bloody hell. It was pretty explosive. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of a lot to unpack. I just think, you know, it's important for people to realise the reason why we've pursued this story. Mm-hmm. And that's because Barry is a registered social worker. Um, he does run a surrogacy agency. Mm-hmm. And for allegations like this... Obviously, they also put out into the papers that they're this perfect family. I think it's in the public interest to understand what's been said in these recordings and how he's treated his staff, as well as things like that. That's not the kind of people I would want to be going to if I wanted to start a family. Yeah, and whilst we understand it, you know, it's a bit, you know, it could be damaging to the cause of people out there that are minorities. They're already doing it with these ridiculous stories they're supposedly mm. fabricating to get themselves in the newspaper. Um I remember as well, touching on not trusting them, I remember being really quite young when this would come out in the newspaper because I'm a bit older than you. And I remember even then, as a very young boy, thinking they really are caught in the media. Um, I think something, I hope you agree with me, important to say is there are actually exceptional dads out there. Mm-hmm. And actually, it'd probably be nice to hear a bit more about them, but the stories mm-hmm. don't sell. Oh my God, we should have um, Harry Durbridge and his boyfriend come on because they're about to adopt. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think it would be good to show a different side of adoption and, you know, having gay parents and stuff. Absolutely. My mum's a foster carer and I've met some of the other foster carers and there's quite a lot of gay gay men and women that do foster care. And honestly, some of these foster, these gay couple um, foster carers are absolutely exceptional dads. You know, they've literally turned the children they're caring for's life around. And, you know, they really are exceptional dads out there. And as we say, it'd be nice to hear a bit more yeah. about those than this pair. Yeah, I would love to hear about some more, some more positive sides of gay, gay families. Yeah. Um, but on that note, I think we'll uh, let you make your own minds up about the recording and 
the expose that we've written on the website as well. Um, let us know your thoughts. I'm sure you will. Bye. See you later.